What's up, guys, and welcome to another episode of the Life Uncaged podcast. I am your host, Emma Zia, and today I'm sitting here with a very special guest, <laughs> the beautiful Gregoria Christotelis. So welcome. Thank you, my love. I'm so excited to be here. Yay. And did I get your name right? Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> Amazing, amazing. So guys, I'm really excited for today's chat. I actually interviewed Gregoria on the last podcast that I did, This Is Nonsense. And we did like over two hours of just so much delicious, juicy content. So for those of you listening, Gregoria is just a powerhouse in spirituality, quantum energetics, magic, mysticism, manifestation, and all of the the really beautiful things that really helps us grow and evolve in this lifetime. So we, we were just chatting before we jumped on here and we're both very much free flowers when it comes to conversation. So we don't know exactly what's going to come through today. We, the channels are open. We'll see what comes through. We'll see whatever messages are ready to be received today. So just giving you a heads up. We don't know where this is going to go, but that's the magic of it. And that's the beauty of it as well. So to give you a professional bio of Gregoria, um, Gregoria is a marketing consultant and spiritual teacher. She is dedicated to raising the vibration of the earth by spreading the message of light and love. She is a thought leader, creative intellect, and has a magnetic light-filled energy that demands the attention from any room she enters. I love that. She has used these skills to speak on stages, host retreats and events, and create hundreds of training content to serve her audience. Her focus is on creating a sacred safe space for people to reconnect with their true selves, removing their limiting beliefs that come from misguided thoughts and teachings and return to a state of alignment with a vibrational frequency of love. How epic. How oh my epic. God, that's so nice. <laughs> I know I sent it to you, but I never read it. So I'm just like, that's so nice. <laughs> you hear it back, you're like, damn. Um, and also just to give a bit of a personal bio, G is a very close friend of mine. She has just been, I think we met maybe three years ago, yeah. um, which is crazy because I feel like we've known each other for so much longer, but it's also so gone long. super, super quick. Um, and we've worked together before. We also hang out a lot whenever I visit Melbourne, we caught up recently and she's just such a beautiful energy and also support in my life. She supported me through some very interesting, weird supernatural experiences that I, I feel like not many people that I'm connected with could kind of understand and she was just there for me and she gets it so yeah I'm just so grateful to have you in my life and I you my girl and I you sometimes you know not sometimes always if we get into it today when you're meant to meet someone you're meant to meet someone and that's just the way mm -hmm. it is and I do feel that way mm -hmm. with you mm -hmm. absolutely absolutely so I want to ask you quite a broad question to start with I want to ask you what's exciting you the most at the moment collectively or personally or both that's an interesting question and it could go in a million mm -hmm. directions but you know <laughs> I you know a little bit of um context right so I'm for those of you who are listening who are into astrology human design and all of the things I'm a reflector that's my human design 6-2 reflector and so you know, the reflector profile are essentially the sponges of the world. So we feel things before the collective are about to step into it, right? Like we, and we mirror it back. And it's like, we send a warning alert bells to the world. Like guys, we're about to jump into this portal and no one listens, of course. And then eventually they're just like, oh my God, we stepped into this portal. And I was like, well, you know, now we can prepare for it. And so I, what I'm enjoying is the unraveling, right? And 
I don't like to call anything a spiritual awakening. You know, my, my perspective on that, I really do feel that we are forever awakening. There is no awakened soul. It's a, a forever awakening, a forever enlightening. And so what's happening right now is because of the state of consciousness, the level of consciousness of the collective, right? It is rising at a rate that seems more exponential. It's 11-11 now. So it's like confirmation from spirit, right? Yes. So it's rising at a rate that's incomparable to anything in history, okay? Because even though we had, you know, um, moments of collective raising, right now it's happening because there are so many, you know, if we get into it as well, star seeds that were being born and people who are wanderers for those who have touched on the law of one material. And, and so we're noticing all of these people who literally just wake up one day and it just clicks and they don't know where it's come from. Right. And it's like all of a sudden just witnessing all of these people. And the beautiful thing is that many years ago, this would happen to you, you know, for the few of us that it did happen to you, and you'd be like, what the fuck is going on, right? I'm out in the middle of nowhere and I have no support. And you felt like a weirdo. You felt like a loser. You felt alone, right? And that's where a lot of people did experience what's known as the dark night of the soul because they felt alone. They didn't have the support. Whereas now all the people that are waking up to this beautiful activation are waking up with so much support, right? They're just like, oh my God. And they know where their people are. And so what I love as well is although in the spiritual community, you know, there's obviously a gripe I have where there's a lot of spiritual materialism and there's a lot of spiritual ego, right? But once you filter through that, there's also so much spiritual support. And so what happens is, is the moment these people are activated into this world, you're just like, welcome, welcome. Do you know what I mean? Like no love lost, welcome. You're here now. We've been waiting for you. And I just love that. I love the camaraderie. I love the community i love the connection and i'm not talking community necessarily in-person community i'm talking the collective community i love witnessing the shift of unity consciousness to unity consciousness i think that that's very powerful and profound and that's the transition between third density fourth density again law of one reference um and a lot of people think that we're already in 5d baby we are not it's going to take millennia before we tap into 5d consciousness on a collective level but we can definitely start to witness the um transition now Having said that, though, the shakeup, think of the tower card in tarot, right? We're simultaneously witnessing everything bubble to the surface, all the dark, dense energy that needs to transmute. Dark, dense energy will always be there because we live in polarity. It will never not be there, okay? But right now, there's very old. Think of like, you know, when you think of old wealth, it's like it's been there for generations and generations, and it's just stuck like glue, and, and you can't scrape it off anymore. It's kind of like that with the dark, dense energy. So it feels very intense right now. So we're witnessing how the collective is navigating it. And to be honest, over the last few years, the collective haven't navigated it too well, right? And so now we're just starting to witness the collective having no choice but to shift the way they navigate and that's really been beautiful to witness I think really over the last few months alone that we're just starting to see people being like actually maybe maybe just maybe you were onto something or maybe just maybe it isn't the way I believed that it was and a willingness to be self-aware self-reflect self-correct I think that that's one of the most beautiful things I've witnessed as well the ego is really loosening. Do you know what I mean? A lot of the time before it was just like, no, you're wrong, I'm right. Whereas now it's just like, oh, maybe I need to think of something outside of the box. Maybe I need to think of an alternate perspective. So I don't know, it's this witnessing. It's this witnessing. And I really do believe in the divine threads and the divine orchestration of all things. So I, there, there are no mistakes. 
there's nothing wrong. God exists within everything. So even everything that we're witnessing all over the world, I don't think that there is any quote unquote bad versus good. I think that there is just energy that's moving and dancing. And yeah, it's intense because, you know, I always say to clients, the more sensitive you become to high frequencies, the more sensitive you become to lower frequencies. So as the collective start to rise in consciousness and awareness, they will also be sensitive to the lower dense frequencies. All right. It's just the way it is. It's, it's the balance, the equilibrium, but it will soften over time. The more and more people can start to integrate their shadows, right. And integrate mm -hmm. the denseness. Um, it's just, it will get easier. It will soften. Mm, amazing. So many questions from that. Um, I definitely agree with you that for like the last six months uh, or last few months, I feel like since August last year, there was just that like August to December last year was so intense, especially in Australia with like the earthquake in Melbourne, the protests, the riots. It was crazy. And I feel like since then it was just this catalyst for so many people being like, hang on a minute, I'm questioning mm. stuff and I'm seeing life from a different perspective, which essentially is what awakening is, right? Mm -hmm. So what, what kind of advice would you give to someone that maybe has just been shaken up and has suddenly become awakened and seeing life from a different perspective? Is there any kind of message or guidance that's coming through that you can share for them? That's such a good question because that's where you feel confronted by that confusion. You feel confronted mm -hmm. and, and it's also, it's like, it's an identity, right? Your self-concept, the self-concept that you have curated your entire life all of a sudden is um, being threatened, right? Because you've got all of this new information. So the way I, the, the advice I would give, and it's probably unconventional, I would say, wipe the slate clean. Like literally there is no self. And if there is no self, who am I today? right? And then decide in that moment, who should I be? You know, you can literally decide who cares how you've introduced yourself to the world, who cares who you were yesterday and how you showed up, how you feel today is your self-concept. And so decide today, who would I want to be? And when I say that, that doesn't mean it has to be definitive. Identity is ever evolving. I, I really do feel that fixed identity is a form of confinement. We don't need to fixate on any specific identity, but who do I feel I want to express as today? And could that, could that mean I'm curious? I'm curious about these beliefs. I'm curious about the way the world works. I'm curious about spirituality. I'm curious about, you know, being a witch. I'm curious about, you know, the energies and the way they move. And one thing I love, I always say, you know, I have a group of, of students that always come through illumination. And I say, you learn a whole series of concepts in this container. But what you do with it after the container is up to you. Some of you will master witchcraft. Some of you will master quantum leaping. Some of you will master parallel realities. Some of you will master past life connection. Some of you will master Akashic. You get to decide. So come from a place of curiosity as opposed to feeling overwhelmed by it all. Because a lot of people go into this overwhelm, like, oh my God, there's so much information. I'm going down the rabbit holes. Don't go down the rabbit holes. You don't need it. When information needs to come through you, it will present. Okay, not a minute before. You don't need to go searching for anything. It will fall into your lap. So come from a place of curiosity, but not from a place of like, I must explore this or I must learn this concept. Or, you know, oh, did you know that the elite are this or, you know, there are clones or not necessary, really not necessary. There are people who've been studying that for centuries. Okay, you need not worry about all of that. It's being handled. Okay, if it happens to organically take you down that path, explore it, have fun with it, right? Um, but the other thing that it's important 
to the art of detachment, right? I can explore these things from an observer's perspective, but they don't need to consume me. I don't need to become them. I don't need to be fearful of them. The moment they take on or they, sorry, create an emotional charge within me, they control me, okay? For any of you who know reality transurfing, it's a, it's a, the pendulum effect. It, they, everything in this world is trying to hook you. By, by drawing your attention. And the only way to detach yourself from the hook is to have no emotional charge. So I observe from a place of like, oh yeah, cool, no big deal. The one thing I, I tell clients, even for manifestation, I say, make nothing a big deal, nothing. You make, you have a $10,000 a month, yeah, cool. Like celebrate it, yeah, but don't be like, oh my God, that's amazing, I had that you know, $10,000 a month. All of a sudden you're creating a hierarchy, right? But the same thing goes if something quote unquote bad happens to you, don't make it a big deal, it's okay, cool, it happened. Like I'm a, I'm a naturally clumsy person. I break something every day. Like there is not a day in my life that I haven't either broken something or cut myself, right? It's just who I am. And at the beginning, it used to be very overwhelming. I'm like, why does this always happen to me? Now I just laugh about it, say, oh, and move on with my life, right? Like it's not, not a big deal. Nothing is a big deal. And because of that, you just soften. So it's interesting as coaches, and I'm sure you experience this too, most of our work is just softening things for our clients, just softening the energy, softening the charge, softening the belief, softening the relationship, right? And as you soften, you're in flow state. That doesn't mean that you don't have support and structure, that beautiful divine masculine energy, right? Things um, systems that you want to move towards and directions, but we flow within it. And the easiest way to do that is through the softening. So the one thing, the two things I would say come from a place of curiosity and observation, as opposed to consumption and soften, soften your relationship with everything. Don't make anything a big deal. you you learn that aliens are real cool, no big deal. Like it's fine. You were meant to learn right now. Let's just learn about it. It's funny. Cause now, you know, you and I obviously have been in this world for a while. When I talk about aliens, I just assume everyone knows about all the thousands of races, right? Um, and when I speak to someone, they're like, aliens are real? And I'm just like, oh my God, I got to remember that, you know, some people are still are not there yet and that's fine. But, you know, so just, yeah, come from that beautiful, soft energy. And what's beautiful about that is it's, it is the dance between the feminine and the masculine energy. So it's just like, and that's literally, that bleeds through everything. Mm, I love that. And I think, I think especially in the last couple of years with the pandemic, I think it's shaken us up to anything is possible. So when you were saying that about the aliens, I remember like I've been speaking to people about aliens and, you know, even everything that's going on with the agenda and the elite, which I'm not sure if we'll go fully down that today, but mm -hmm. all of that stuff, like I've known about that for years and years and years, but something just clicked fully, like at the start of the pandemic. And I remember it just dropping through and I was like, fuck, all the pieces are now adding up together and everything just makes sense. And at first there was this period of shakiness because you're mm. opened up to something so unfamiliar, as you said, and also, you know, with the elite and with the agenda, you're opening up to so much universal suffering that we have been cocooned from for so many years. And so naturally in that opening, there is this kind of fit, like your nervous system, for me anyway, my nervous system was going through this, shakiness and this purge and this trying to understand everything that was going on and I noticed a lot of people and I'm not sure if you found this for you but a lot of people in the space like my family my friends other coaches that were also opened up to it in this way we went through this kind of roller coaster of feeling the emotional charge towards what's happening in the world at the moment and feeling you know the fear about this and about this and about this and then gradually we reach equilibrium oh, I didn't say it. equilibrium did I say that right equilibrium you did you did equilibrium I am Sarah. 
And um, we reach that point of balance. And then that's when, this is in my experience, that's when you become like the observer and you become non-attached to it. And I think now we can observe what's happening from a place of trusting the unfolding of it. And it's a very, very different place to be compared to at the start of the pandemic. Um, so I think that's really interesting. I wanted to speak to you about, you mentioned the law of one a couple of times, and I want to just hone in on this because that's jumping out at me. Can you explain to those listening, what is the, the basis of the law of one and how has that impacted your life? Oh my God. The law of one material, it's called the raw material, it changed my life. If you're going to read any spiritual text, it is more on the advanced side, meaning that if you're brand new to spirituality and this is just something you're taste testing for the first time, it's not the, the first book. Like maybe Conversations with God or something a little softer or Abraham Hicks material would be a better fit, okay? But once you start exploring and you're really curious, you've got your two Bibles of the spiritual world, which is A Course in Miracles and The Law of One material, right? It's so important though, that you enter everything with discernment. Don't read anything and be like, this is the truth now, right? Like I don't want anyone to ever read any material, my own book included, right? And be like, this is gospel. I want you to read it and come again from that, that lightness. Do you know what I mean? Like if it sticks, it sticks. And if it doesn't, it doesn't, no big deal, right? The Law of One book is the first book that I ever read. There are five books, five parts which felt the most real to me, right? It felt like it was like I could have written the book, even though I wasn't aware of everything I was reading. I, it was like a remembering, right? It very much so was. There are still bits in the book, which I don't a hundred percent feel in my body, but that's because I recognize that everyone is just interpreting the truth. And so we're all going to have misinterpretations, you know what I mean? Or, or alternate perspectives and perceptions. So the law of one material to summarize like years and years of study of, of a text in, into a sentence, it's essentially the law of unity. So to believe that we all come from one consciousness, one universal truth, and we are all essentially going back to that truth. And it is an ever evolving cycle. So the way I describe it, and I had this metaphor before I read the law of one, but then the moment I read it, it was just like, oh my God, that's hand in hand. And it's this. Imagine we are one atom, one cell, one organism, one source, okay, where everything comes from. And that source asked itself, who could I be? And the only way to truly know who it could be was to experience infinity, infinite, infinite expressions of self. And so we decided to explode into infinite cosmic pieces, right? And hence, you know, you could call it Big Bang, you could call it whatever you wanted, right? And Think of it like a flower petal. It grew into first density, and that is the first layer of petals. Now, we only exist on one petal known as the pattern reality. All the other petals, we don't know what happens. It's beyond our comprehension. It's beyond our understanding. Our human mind cannot even conceptualize it. We can try. Possibly one is chaos theory. Possibly one is other theories that we just can't tap into. I do feel over the evolution of human consciousness, we will be able to understand them. But for now, it's kind of outside of our scope. Okay. And so the one pattern reality experienced first, first density. They are the elements, right? The beautiful, you know, the, the the five origins, right? So you've got your earth, fire, air, water, ether, all right? So we experienced that. We then came back into ourselves. We took a, uh, our breathe, we breathed in again. And then we said, who else could I be? And so we breathed out again into second density. That's the plants and the animals and the insects. And we started to experience life. And this is just in the pattern reality. Now, that one petal experienced an infinite amount of new petals because each one petal experiences infinite more, right? 
It breathed back into itself. It breathed back out into itself again, into third density. That's human consciousness. That's beings, all right? Now, again, we are on one pedal, which has one pedal, which has one pedal, even though there are infinite others. So that explains aliens and it explains other beings because they also exist in the pattern reality, but as a different expression, they're on a different pedal, okay? And that went on up until eighth density, according to the law of one material, in which it came, we came back to infinity. We said we've experienced every single density now. And then it repeated the cycle into a brand new universe with brand new petals, right? And so that's the, that's the summary of the law of one. Now, it also explains parallel realities, different dimensions, aliens. The, the law of one is channeled by Ra, which is an alien entity in sixth density. Okay. So they are aware of higher densities, but they can't um, offer any information based on higher densities because they are only at that level of consciousness. But I really do believe that when we, when the material was channeled in the 1980s, it was channeled from an older version of Ra because time isn't linear, right? So they were tapping into an older version of Ra. I really do feel that Ra right now as an energy body is higher density, even though it takes millions of years because time isn't linear, right? And for those who are just like, that's a bit much, don't worry about it, right? But, you know, it's it's definitely, it's, it's a book to read. And all of this was channeled in the 1980s. And they were telling us everything that's happening right now. The complete um, ascension process, this, this global movement towards unity consciousness. When we no longer see separation with another, that's when we know God. That's when we can experience God. When it's no longer that person hurt me or that person this. It's like everything, think of everything happening. And I don't want to name names because I don't want you to get filtered in anyway. Things that are happening between countries right now. And you're looking at like, let's boycott them, let's cancel them, let's stop them from having access to money and food and all of this. I'm just like, the opposite direction, opposite direction, right? It's like, we need to move to unity consciousness. They are our brothers and our sisters. Politicians don't care about them, right? We need to include them in, in the the global unity consciousness, right? We need to recognize them as our siblings, not just choose one over the other. And I still feel that that's where I recognize that there's still work to be done. And humanity will continue repeating these cycles until they learn actually there are no others. And the moment that clicks is the moment the world will change in, in its entirety, as opposed to just groups of us here and there, right? but you are witnessing it and the universe will constantly offer you more opportunity to see it. Um, I could talk about the law of one for months and months and months and months. If anyone's getting into it, Aaron Abke on YouTube, best law of one um, translator. He's like amazing. He has so many videos on the law of one material and he takes you really in depth. But again, if you're brand new to it, like read the books first or introduce yourself first. Don't just go and watch his videos because you'll be like, what is going on? It's like a whole new world and you won't understand the language and terminology. So you have to learn about it because density and dimension, two different things, right? And so it's it's important that you just um, expose yourself to the material first, play with it, sit with it. I just found that even having it in my bedroom for the first time changed my energy before I'd even read it. I find that with books in general, the moment it's in my space, somehow it just creates, activates new codes within me. I'm sure you notice that too with crystals, with mm -hmm. oils, with anything. If I gift you something, you know, it's like it, it activates something within you. So definitely a path to walk down. Mm, amazing, amazing. So I want you just to touch on when you said 
that, you know, there's not necessarily a good and a bad side. And that's how a lot of us are perceiving the situation at the moment. And when you said that it's just like a natural purging, like the universe is just kind of naturally doing its thing in both energies, the good and the bad. So we perceive it, it's just coexisting. Can you just dive a little bit deeper into that for people that might still be seeing things like with what's going on with certain countries at the moment, with the pandemic and everything else, how could they maybe change their perspective from seeing it as a good, bad, black, white, right, wrong to something that's more unity based? Okay. So if we are all of the one source and that source wants to experience infinite, the infinite self, it had to experience the dense darkness as well, right? It had no choice because otherwise, if I am denying myself the shadow, then I am denying my fullest expression, right? And so God doesn't discriminate between dark, dense energy and light, love energy, right? In order for us to understand God, we must have an integrated shadow and focus on the light, love, okay? but we cannot deny the shadow. Denying the shadow is to deny self, right? Is to deny the part of ourselves. So when we perceive everything going on in the world, if I believe in divinity, meaning that I am of the infinite oneness, right? I am of source energy. Then I must simultaneously believe that everything is divine. The air I breathe, the people I meet, the things going on in the world, every place, every person, every experience, everything has God within it. God's threads are universal, which means that even in war, God exists. Even in a criminal, God exists. Even in um, a virus, God exists, right? I trust that God exists within all things. And I trust that there is a universal um, purpose for whatever I'm experiencing. And that is to balance the energy because the universe has the perfect balance between the yin yang, right? It has the perfect balance between the light and dark. And it's only us that creates these imbalances, okay? When too much darkness has presented for too long, the light will force itself, you know, um, in a way where a lot of people awaken very quickly. Whereas when the light is becoming, um, let's say, diluted, the darkness will force its energy to force it to expand, right? So it's, it's in a way in which, this is what I always say, the light workers are a million times more powerful than the dark workers, right? Based on, you know, it's because it's based on vibration of frequency. So the lower vibrations vibrate slower than the higher vibrations. So they actually have to work harder in order to do the same kind of work that a light worker has to do. But light workers are lazy. Dark workers literally have you know, these buildings dedicated to their rituals. They sacrifice lambs, have blood everywhere. They put symbols all over the world. They manipulate through you, through media and Hollywood and whatever. And us light workers are just like, oh yeah, I pray for you. I send you light, right? On with my day. We need to work harder, right? Like we need to, and that's why I teach d dedication, devotion, practice, ritual, we have forgotten what our ancestors knew. And they knew that ceremony, ritual, connection, devotion, to the, the craft, to the practice was integral. Reverence, right? Like all of these people casting spells like it's no one's business. Have you thanked the earth spirits? Have you called upon them? Have you recognized that that leaf, you know, was literally a seed that birthed itself into life? Have you offered love and reverence and connection and gratitude for, for the materials that you are exchanging energy with, because that's what the dark workers do. They know exactly what they're using and when they're using it, they're willing to sacrifice human life. They're willing to sacrifice a lot of things, but they, they have a devotion to their craft, to their work. They know what's required. Mm -hmm. And we too must 
devote, we must devote the work, but it all coexists to answer the question. It coexists because it's a constant balance, right? It's a constant dance between multiple energies. And whether you call that masculine or feminine energy, whether you call it dark light energy, whether you call it um, different densities, right? And again, for those who start exploring the law of one material, you'll understand there are different densities that represent different energies. It's all allowed to exist. God doesn't discriminate. God doesn't say you're a bad person because you want to embody the dark. The light still exists within you. It may be suppressed or it may be denied or it may be rejected, but it still exists within you because it is your origin. It is your source. We are all of the infinite light, okay? But in order to know that light, we had to experience the shadows. And when you think of a shadow, the, the easiest way I describe shadow work to anyone is this. How, when do you ever see your own shadow? it's when somehow you are blocking the light, okay? So when you are blocking the light, the shadow is expressed. And so whenever we experience the dark or density, it's where the light is being suppressed, rejected, or, um, or, or repressed, right? That's the only time that we're going to experience the shadow self. But it's important that we do, because how do you know light without the shadow, without the darkness, right? And so it's not so much good or bad. It's that there is an opportunity in which way we experience it. I always say the only reason we experienced the last two years of this pandemic was because that was the level of consciousness humanity was at. It could have been softer. It could have been different. It could have been a lesson in a different way, but they needed it to be that confrontational in order to learn it the way they did. And currently we're experiencing the same thing. It had to be this confrontational for the next wave of people. It's always when on a personal level, you know, You've got that, that, those relationship patterns. You keep experiencing the same narcissist, the same narcissist, the same narcissist. You never learn. And then one day you experience a man who belts the shit out of you and you're just like, oh my God, you're confronted. And it's because you weren't learning in any other capacity. And I'm not excusing that behavior and I'm not saying it's a good thing and I'm not saying it's for sure. I'm saying that sometimes God needs to confront you, all right? The universe needs to confront you. And when I say God, the universe, I'm talking just the energy wanting to balance itself. That's all it is, Right. It confronts you because you will not be able to learn the lesson in any other way because you overlooked it a million times, right? And so sometimes it has to be that way. Whereas for others, it can be the first slight shift in energy. You're just like, yeah, no, that's not for me. I balance that energy, right? It works different for each of us, depending on our state of consciousness, on our willingness to confront the shadow, right? To confront the darkness. And what you'll notice is that the more people willing to do the internal work, the shadow work, the self-reflection, they're moving through their own limiting beliefs, the more sensitive and aware they'll become to the collective shifts, the collective darkness. So the way I perceive the current global events will be very different to someone who's not self-aware. Yeah, it will be very different to someone who doesn't have an integrated shadow. I don't see it as good and bad because I've done the integrated work, right? Whereas someone else will see it as like, oh my God, you know, there's so much fear, there's so much pain, there's so much suffering because they have not yet integrated the shadow. And so it feels very confronting to them. Yes, that's so true. And I think when you were saying that, and I had a few people I know come to mind that are being very confronted and they're not doing the work to that extent, but they don't necessarily see that that's what they need to do. So that's really interesting. Um, I want to just dive into shadow work a little bit. I want you to share, if you could share your perspective on certain people when they feel like they're doing the work, right? <laughs> kind mm -hmm. of in quote marks, they feel like mm -hmm. they're doing the shadow work, whether it's in relationships, whether it's in business, money mindset, whatever it is. And then they feel like they're not seeing the results. So they feel like they're doing the integration, but they're not seeing the results or they're wondering when the results are going to come or how they're going to come. Can you just share your perspective on that and maybe any guidance you can give people that are in that stuck and stagnant place? 
Okay. I, lo- I actually love this question. So I had a client recently and I love her so dearly. And she was like, you know, I was, cause she's been working with me for a long time and we're actively doing the work. Right. So I, I see the progress. And she was like, the other day I was talking to God and I was like, God, that's it. Like now, now's the time. Like, let's go. Right. And I was like, interesting. Right. I let my clients just talk and riff and, and I pay attention to the words that they used. And I was like, listen, if someone who is in harmony with God, knows that they co-create, knows that everything is divine and perfect. Is that how they communicate with God? Do you think that I'm sitting there going, God, let's go, let's go, right? Or do you think and feel that I'm just like, all's well, I'm on my path. Everything will happen right on time, right? I don't rush the universe because I trust that I, the human self, is seeing it from the human perspective and I am being governed and, um, and guided by my higher self, the all-knowing version of me, the version of me that offers no resistance. And so the only thing ever required for me is to make sure that I am a clear enough channel for that message, right? A clear enough channel for that guidance, that direction. And then me to take the action placed upon that direction. I always like, there are a few things that I know about my life, right? I know I'm going to be, uh, like have a certain amount of wealth in my life, I know that I will win the lottery. I just know it, right? Like there are certain things that I know about my life and a certain other um, career milestones that I know I will have. When that happens, not my business, not my business, right? And the reason why is because I know, I know because spirit has told me, not because I need to win the lottery, not because it's required for my happiness or joy, just because I know that that's part of my journey, right? Like I just know that that's, that's part of it for me. And so for me now, I make money, And I'm happy and I'm living the life I want to live because I let it be organic, not because ever I felt like I needed to micromanage the universe, not because I was just like, I'm doing all this work. So when am I seeing the results? I trust, I trusted the process the same way that you plant a bamboo seed and you'll notice the tree shoot up very, very quick. Like it'll be nothing for a long time. And then all of a sudden it'll be like, whereas other trees you plant, it takes a while, it takes seasons in order for you to bear the fruit, to eat the fruit, right? They always say that the fruit's the last thing you eat once you plant the seed. And so I just trust that some things require that fast progress and other things require a little more time. And I don't compare my journey to anyone else's. I don't say, well, she only started doing the work. How come she's already seeing results? And I'm not, I trust that that is what's divinely orchestrated for her. And this is what's divinely orchestrated for me. An interesting thing that came up recently, And my friend was like, how come, you know, she had this, she was comparing herself to a work colleague. She's like, how come she can just tap into all of this psychic awareness really, really quickly? She only started doing it. And, you know, I've been practicing for years and years and years. And I was like, the soul plays the long game, baby. The soul plays the long game. We don't know what each of us have mastered in a past life right? Maybe her soul contract was to activate it at the age of 25. And the moment she decided to activate it, it was done. It dropped in. It was complete because she had already spent lifetimes upon lifetimes mastering it. Was your Whereas your soul contract was to experience it for longer in this life, tasting many different avenues and modalities and medicines, okay? It's the soul journey. It's the long game. And so that's why as well, when you experience anything, the moment you're saying, you're looking at the time, you're still operating from the linear lens. You're still operating from the linear 3D timeline. And so the only way to operate from the quantum is when you no longer need it to happen in a particular time. It is happening because it is absolute. I never say to God, I want this to happen. I say, all right, that's done. 
I don't need to worry about it anymore. It's done. It's like the moment I decide is the moment that it's done. I don't need to look for it. I don't need to wait for it. I don't need to pray for it. I just know that it's done and I move on with my day. And I trust the divine timing. I trust that my higher self is, is speaking with God and they are organizing when it will be the perfect time. Think about a relationship. Have you ever met someone the timing wasn't right? And then years and years later, somehow you rendezvous again, right? And you know that if you hadn't got, if you had gotten together in the first initial meeting, it just wouldn't have worked out because there were so many other factors at play and it, it um, re-emerged at the perfect time. That's like everything in your life. So if you were actively doing the work, if you're feeling more connected, if you're feeling tapped in, if you're feeling secure, right, in your practice, they're the signs, they're the signposts, they're the signals that are going to um, determine how connected and how supported you are by spirit. You're always supported, but whether you allow that support in is another story, right? But there's no such thing as it should happen instantly. I have some friends that the moment they think something, they will manifest it within minutes. Like I have witnessed it. Whereas for other others, it takes a little bit longer. It takes some integration. It takes some work. There are, there's no rule book. We were supposed to experience all of it. There are some lifetimes in which you'll experience instant manifestation. And there are other lifetimes in which it's meant to be more of a faith-based manifestation. I'm just supposed to surrender. I'm supposed to surrender and allow the flow. It's all allowed. It's all allowed. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love that. And tell me more about quantum leaping. Tell me more about what exactly is quantum leaping. And I know you've touched on it just then, but how can people really start to tap into making that happen for them? This, you speak in my language, right? Like <laughs> I, I'm such a, you know, I love quantum physics and I love the quantum reality. So for those who are brand new to the space, Dr. Joe Dispenza is your man. He is so charismatic, by the way. I've been to a few of his events in person and he's like, there's something about this guy where you're just like, you are so sexy. And like, you look at him up and you're like, yeah, but like, seriously, there's something about him. Um, I'm telling you, charismatic level a thousand. But anyway, so the way he explains it, which I think is the easiest way to understand it is this. We as a human have an identity. I am Gregoria. I am a spiritual teacher. I am this. I have an, a fixed identity. Meaning when I say fixed, I mean, I describe myself in a series of ways. I have attachments, yeah? Attachments to a personality, attachments to people, attachments to a place, attachments, okay? In order for me to quantum leap, I must first release my attachments, okay? So I then meditate. You, you need to get yourself into a theta brainwave state to release the attachments. I need to become nothing. I need to detach from my identity. I'm no longer Gregoria. I'm no longer a spiritual teacher. I'm no longer of Greek origin. I'm no longer an Aussie. I'm no longer any of those things. I am the universe. I am everything and everything is me. And once I have become everything, that's the ultimate quantum field. Okay. That's you in in 5D essentially. That's when I can be anything. Okay. So I go from nothing to everything to, sorry, I go from somebody to nobody to everybody. And it's in that transition that I can choose my reality. I can choose what I want to experience because I am nothing. And because I am nothing, I am simultaneously everything. And because I am everything, I can pick and choose which of the everything I want to experience because it's all available to us. There are infinite possibilities and it's always a choice. All right, again, reality transurfing for those who are curious. We literally 
can choose our reality. It's not so much attracting your reality, like the law of attraction says, it's choosing your reality. You pick and choose from the infinite pile. And you can only really do that when you're in the state of nothingness. Because when you're in nothingness, then you embody everythingness. But when I am Gregoria, I am limiting my probabilities because I still have a, a set of possibilities, right? I'm in my probability bubble. So I must detach first, right? And you do that through meditation. You do that through hypnosis. You do that through binaural beats, um, sound frequencies. You do that essentially through taking yourself into a trance-like state, into a theta brainwave state where you release identity, where you release. And quantum leaping is leaping into the chosen reality, right? I choose the reality I want to experience usually on in a conscious state. I'm like, I want to experience a reality in which I am healthy and I am thriving, right? And so, you know, you can add a few more details if you want. So I then get myself into that theta brainwave state. I detach from my identity. I become nothing. I then choose to experience everything. And then from that everythingness, I choose one specific experience. And then I go and experience it once I'm in that state. So I'm in my theta brainwave state and I go and experience it. And it's really fun and it's exciting. And I can feel it embodied. And then when I wake up back into my conscious state, I make a decision in that moment that I am that new version of self. It's fully embodied. And then there's usually a transitional period to integrate it. I must make sure that all my beliefs are aligned with that new embodied self. I must make sure that my actions are in alignment with that new embodied self. I'm, uh, how would that version of me think? How would they behave? How would they breathe? How would they walk? What would they wear? Would they be worried that, you know, the money isn't coming in? Would they be worried that that person isn't into them? Like what, how would they think? How would they behave? And then once I start to activate, uh, integrate it, sorry, the reality, the 3D reality has no choice but to catch up because you have already stepped into that new reality, right? Because there's always a delay. The delay is to make sure because otherwise the moment you thought of, have you, I, we've all had the thought, we're driving on the freeway. We're like, oh my God, what if that truck hits me? We don't want instant manifestation because if we did, the world would be chaos. Yeah. Cause we think too many thoughts and you know, they're misguided at times. We've all had the catastrophic thoughts. So we like the time delay. The universe gives you an opportunity to be like, is this what you really want? Is this the choice you've made? And then as long as I act from that place, it is done. I, I was, it was interesting because I was, I'm writing my prayer book right now and I was going through all my old journals all my channel prayers. And I used to literally write like, um, the $27,000 came easily and effortlessly to me. And I would write it hundreds of times, right? And I would write lots of different mantras. And I just used to be like, all right, if it did come easily to me, how would I think? How would I behave? And now, like, that's nothing to me. Like, I, you know, that's, I don't even think twice about that money now. But I believed it so much sooner than I experienced it. And I just trusted that it was done. And that's part of the work because a lot of people go and do all of these quantum leaps and they feel the shift on a subtle level, but they don't then integrate it. They don't embody it fully. And it, you have to feel it in your body. You have to be like, I, not only do I know it's different in my mind's eye, I feel different, right? You'll notice then sometimes uh, physical differences, like your nose will look different or you'll have an extra beauty mark. You can ask for signs. You can say, um, I want to see a, a beauty mark on my left knee, right? And then all of a sudden you wake up and, and that's part of your reality. I know you and I discussed when we caught up that I had experienced a timeline shift and there were so many differences about my body. I've now integrated that timeline reality. I feel much more 
calm and content, right? But at the beginning, it was still very shaky because I'm experiencing this new reality. And I had to ask myself those important questions. How does this version of me think? How do they breathe? How do they act? Who are they around? What do they immerse themselves with? What do they read? Right? And you may find that's where the old self sometimes tries to limit your connection to the new self because it wants to hold on to the old things and the old, uh, you know, attachments. You got to let it go, right? You got to let it go. Again, that softened state, that flow state. The only way to truly quantum leap is if you come from that softer energy, right? If you feel like you're micromanaging and controlling, you're going to go back to the old pattern and the old loop very quickly. Because then it's not just in the ethereal that we're doing this, we're also doing this in the physical. We have neural pathways in the brain. And they are what create our memories and our beliefs and our connections. And they're very strong because we have replayed them millions of times. And the only way to kill off um, a neural pathway is literally to plant a new seed and to stop offering it any attention and focus. And it will slowly die. And we offer the attention and focus to the new belief forming the new neural pathway, right? So it's literally on every level, on the cosmic level, on the atomic level, on the ethereal level that we are, are making these shifts and changes. The quantum reality, the funnest place to be. And over time, as we as a collective evolve and shift, we will just operate from that place, but we aren't there yet. So we need to be more conscious of it. We're still in the, the learning how to play with it. And it's good because if all of us were there already, we would fuck it up because we still have those negative thoughts, those thoughts that aren't necessarily serving the highest good. We still don't have unity consciousness as the common, as the common belief. So we still need us to work on getting into the quantum field. It's not yet a part of the collective consciousness where it should be just the, the natural state, right? So, so that's why there's the transition, but it's available to us. Like all levels of consciousness are, it's available to us. And more and more people are starting to play in the space and it's becoming easier and easier to access. All right. I always say there's this thing about, I read this post recently on someone had this gripe on how, you know, no one these days are practicing the way we used to. I dedicated 40 years of my life to the craft. And I was like, it doesn't have to be that way anymore. I took decades to master this, but you can learn it much quickly, much quicker because the moment I have integrated it, then I allow more of the collective to access it faster, right? It's like they say the four minute mile, right? The moment one person did it, or what is it? The four second mile, what am I saying? Or whatever it was, I can't remember what it is, but four the minute. moment- Four seconds would be like is it the one. Exactly. Yeah, I know. Like, but what is, is it a four minute mile? I think it's four minute mile. Yeah. Okay. Whatever it was is the moment one person did it all of a sudden, like it, it hasn't been broken in decades, but the moment one person did it, it was like, bang, 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 bang. Right. And I think that it's important to note as well that you doing the work literally does it for all of us. And because, and again, this is where the separation consciousness comes in. Is it still, I, me, I'm doing this for me and my progress and my money and my success we need a shift from that is that I'm doing it for the collective. I'm doing it for the collective consciousness. And I don't necessarily always need to get the credit quote unquote, in order to know that I'm doing my work because someone else mastering it is me mastering it. Someone else succeeding is me succeeding. When my friend wins, I win, I win. Right. And so when we start to really have that awareness and come from that place in business, in life, in relationships, watch the way the world will shift. Right. And so and, and that's also why there is this disconnect between, you know, the success of quantum leaping because people are still coming from the ego. They're still coming from the, I want this and I want that. Do you? 
do you is that what you want that doesn't mean you can't have things of course you can you can have the money and the the fame and the whatever you want you can have but why why do I want it is it governed by the ego or is it governed by you know my highest self telling me to expand in this way right and can you discern the difference exactly and I'm so happy you touched on that this is something that I speak with will speak into with my clients all the time is what's the origin of that desire is it a desire of lack or is it a desire of potential because as you said, when we know that we are a co-collaboration with God, we know that we are, you know, we have infinite probabilities, infinite potentialities that we can step into. So from that place, life begins to get exciting. When we feel that desire, we can get excited about it. And it's it's sexy and it's delicious. And it's, you know, we, we can get enthusiastic about being in that sensation. Whereas as soon as we're like, oh, but where is that desire in my life? That's when we automatically go into that vibration of lack. And so everything is going to feel so much harder. Like we're swimming. 100%. So I'm so happy that you touched on that. And everything else you just said was so powerful. And I'm just like nodding in the background. Like, <laughs> I'm trying not to talk because otherwise the video will switch. Um, I do want to do a bit of a 180 here. Mm-hmm. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. Yes, it dropped through. And I know we spoke about this on the podcast episode we did last time. I want to ask you about relationships, but specifically your perspective on monogamous and open relationships, because I know you spoke about this before. (laughs) So, yeah, I just want to just to open up quite broadly. What's your kind of perspective on monogamous relationships in terms of our expansion and our experience here? Okay. So I am, I, exactly what I said today, I believe in infinite possibilities and infinite expressions of self and infinite expressions of self does not mean monogamous only, right? Like that doesn't make sense to me. That doesn't necessarily mean that, mean that monogamous doesn't work for some. I feel though, that there are many different versions of relationships that would work. The only reason they don't have the success rate um, that you would anticipate, and that's why people deem them non-successful, is because we still have those attachments. There's there's still separation consciousness. And so people get jealous and people get overwhelmed. And, and we go back to this collective belief that you are mine and I possess you, right? And that's the only reason they don't work. But if you can move beyond that separation consciousness, and we will over time start to witness more of a shift in that unity consciousness, I, I feel that there will be more dynamics and more relationships, which are much more open. There was this funny, there's this guy that I follow on TikTok and I, I love him and he pretends to be aliens having conversations. And this one time, this alien was like, oh yeah, I just broke up with, you know, um, Bertha and we were together for 10,000 years. And the human was just like, oh, aren't you sad that, you know, you just broke up with Bertha for 10,000 years? And the alien's like, ha ha ha, human. Um, no, you know, I loved Bertha and it was amazing, but now I'm ready for my next part of my journey. Why would I be sad? You know, like whatever. I do feel that most relationships have a 10-year cycle. I do genuinely feel that. They have a 10-year life cycle. And if we all were just open to the fact that I'm with someone for 10 years, love my life with them, and then I'm ready to move on to the next partner, next lesson, because we have grown in a different path, right? And we have grown on different branches. I think that it will work. But I feel that so much of the world tries to make things work when that is literally fighting against the current. That doesn't mean that the moment it gets tough, we run for the hills, because that's also not the work, right? And it's, again, finding that balance between is this an opportunity for me to go deeper and learn more about myself and each other? Or is this the moment where we recognize that there's no longer um, resonance there and it's time for us to move apart? And that comes with self-awareness, self-reflection. Um, but I do feel that there, you know, any relationship type is 
normal. I really do feel that way. I think that if you want to be with multiple partners, be with them. I do feel that communal living, it will be reintroduced and we will start to notice more and more people living in communities in which we will share partners. I think that that will be quite common. Um, maybe not necessarily in our lifetime, maybe, but you know, our children at least will definitely start to experience more uh, relationship types in which monogamy isn't the only way. The only thing that I find that there's a like the the difficulty may be is that sometimes I find a lot of people in polyamorous relationships then condemn monogamy. Do you know what I mean? And I think it's important that we don't condemn any specific relationship type, that monogamy is also okay for some. It works for some. But again, that comes that question of, is it ego? Do I only want a monogamous relationship because I don't want anyone else to have you because I feel that mm -hmm. I own you? And I feel that that's mm -hmm. most relationships, right? It's like that, like heaven forbid anyone else. It's like this idea when, whenever I speak to a friend and I've had a lot of male friends in the who will stop being friends with me the moment they get a girlfriend because the girlfriend doesn't want them speaking to women, right? And I'm just like, what? Like, what? Do you know what I mean? Like, that's that's their work, not my business. Do you know what I mean? But again, I do notice that that pattern is ego-driven. Um, and I think that we need to detach from that. And I'm not saying that we all need to be in polyamorous relationships or not even that. It could be in many different um, kind of relationship dynamics. I'm not saying that that's required. I'm saying that I do feel more of a shift into it's all allowed and it's all okay. I'll tell you why monogamous relationships are the norm because it was easy for the government to control us that way. It's easier to put people in a little box and we know that they have a wife and kids and they stay in their little box, they pay their taxes and they do that. The moment it's communal living and we all share things, it's much harder to get your taxes. It's much harder to make money off you. It's much harder because we don't want you to share. We want you to consume and um, accumulate that's what we want, right? We They wanted separation consciousness because it makes more sense, right? And that's a whole different rabbit hole. But that's why monogamous relationships are the norm. It wasn't the norm, right? It actually wasn't the norm. But they they um, planted those seeds in your awareness to make you think that that was what was normal, that you own a person for the rest of your life. Not only did they want you to think that the monogamous relationship was the normal, they even made you sign a contract to make sure that you stayed in that relationship, right? Marriage literally is a signed binding contract because not only in the physical world is it a contract, they knew the, the spiritual laws and they knew that you then bound yourself to them, created all of these karmic tethers to that person for many lifetimes to come, controlling you, right? And so, you know, there are so many layers to this, obviously, but if you mm -hmm. want to be with multiple people or you're starting to explore it, explore it. But again, it's, it's that, that is that level of self-awareness. Ask yourself, why do I want it? Is because is it because I'm afraid of attachment, right? And I find it easier to explore lots of partners because it, it stops me from being vulnerable and connecting. Or is it because, again, it's the yearning from my higher self to explore this expression of self, where similar to what you just said, where is the desire coming from? And the same goes with the opposite. If you're in a monogamous, monogamous relationship, why is it that I want this? Um, and there's no right or wrong right? It's just that asking yourself those questions and self-reflecting and, and knowing that it may change. I know people who have been in polyamorous relationships for a long time and then something hits and they're just like, no, I'm, I'm ready for a monogamous relationship now, right? Or the opposite is true. Or even when it comes to sexuality, you have people all the time, they get married, have kids and then decide, actually, I want to explore, you know, a same-sex partnership or whatever it is. And I think it's all allowed. I, I feel that I always say, a teacher in high school said this to me and I always believed it. They said, everyone lives on a spectrum. And, and for her, it was about sexuality. She goes, on one side, there are two women. On the other side, there are two men. And in the middle, there's a man and a woman. And now we can add other genders in there, right? And all of us exist on the spectrum. There are a few people 
that are on either end and in the middle, okay? But everyone else is somewhere on the spectrum. And translate that into relationship types, translate that into um, personality types, translate that into any, you know, um, scale of identity that you would like. And we all, all just on some kind of spectrum. And you just got to decide what you want to experience today. And don't let that today decision be the forever decision. Be like, this is what I'm experiencing for now. And I, and I allow it. And the moment it no longer feels like the truth for me, I will explore something else and be open to exploring. Again, that softening of energy. Mm, so beautiful. So powerful. And everything you just said is very much in alignment with how I feel as well. And just a few things you said then is it comes back to being fluid in our identity. Mm-hmm. And I always say we must be fluid in our evolution. And it, it does really come down to being curious, right? And welcoming desires. Mm-hmm. When we feel a desire for something rather than being like, oh, this might not be accepted of in, you know, based off of cultural expectations, but being like, okay, this desire is existing within me for a reason Absolutely. because it is meant for me to experience. So let me have that discernment between is this a desire of lack? Is this a desire for escapism? Or is this a desire for potential exploration, evolution? Mm-hmm. So I think that's really important. And I also wanted to touch on what you said about separation consciousness and marriage being a contract and also communal living. And it's interesting, isn't it? Because keeping us in separation consciousness is keeping us in that vibration of lack Absolutely. because it is that I have this, I have you, I own you. And it is very much like, okay, we're, we're a separate entity on our own rather than, you know, being um, sharing that unity with other people. And this is what I, I agree with you with the communal living. I think that it's definitely going to go back to almost when the feminine energy was kind of leading and um, being the main kind of source of energy, like way back when, where it was the communal living and it was shared partners and it was everyone was bringing up each other's kids, you know? I definitely see that in the future. What's interesting is we're seeing like open relationships, um, blending of genders and things like that being seeded now. And I feel like specifically with open relationships, it's not quite, from, from my exploration, it's almost like a lot of people I know are doing it from that place of escapism. Yeah, I agree. Because it's becoming acceptable. So they're like, oh, this is a way out for me dealing with my commitment issues or or whatever it might be, right? It's a form of escapism. And so I think it's kind of like there needs to be some people that seed it to start to start that that evolution but it's also like if I was to engage in an open relationship right now I would have to make sure that it was from a conscious place and conscious perspective and that everyone involved was also from a conscious place and I think that's what the issue is in our culture today is it's not quite fully conscious there yet yeah but it's beginning and it's starting yeah and I and I agree completely it's and that's, that's, you know, what we said that you've just got to come from that place of awareness. And, and I do feel like even myself included, like there's still too much ego and there's still too much, you know, like attachment. And until I can completely shift that, I wouldn't be able to explore it. Do you know what I mean? So it's mm-hmm. like, you know, it's understanding like every Sagittarius on planet earth and, you know, I'm a Sag rising. So I know they're like open relationship hands down. That's for me. Do you know what I mean? Like, I get it. I get it. Like, you know, and every Libra, I'm a Libra son. Like they love that, you know, oh, can I just explore lots of people at once? Yeah. Like love Mm -hmm. that, love that. So again, it's that, that form of escapism 
And, and I completely agree that it's evolution. And it's interesting that you bring up the whole, you know, the feminine movement because the world is cyclical. So we will have periods in time where the feminine governed and then we'll have periods in time where the masculine governed. And we are going back into the period of time where the feminine governed. And then we will enter another cycle later on where the masculine governs. It's that beautiful dance between the masculine and the okay. feminine in order mm -hmm. for us to experience infinite expressions of self, we must experience all um, expressions because right now we've experienced the masculine and the feminine at a certain level of consciousness. And so now we are entering a new level of consciousness. We must also experience the masculine and the feminine at this new level of consciousness, right? And it will continue to evolve for infinity. And so, mm -hmm. yes, the next wave is the feminine movement. I think, you know, um, this beautiful Aquarian age that we entered was really birthed the the depth of the feminine and we're starting to explore her more but there's the cost because remember it's the light and the shadow it's not all sunshine and rainbows it's it's also then understanding that people are confused because with all of this you know when you think of everything going on in the world and with all the genders and with all of the identity identities and what's allowed and then the left and the right and the, all of the things people get confused in it they get lost in it and that's why the idea of different relationship types as well, it's confusing to people and they don't want to get on board because it's confronting. And we talked about that confrontation earlier. It's too confronting. Let's just go back to what we know because it's safe and secure, right? And I'm stable here. It may not necessarily be what's most conducive for my expansion, all right? Um, not necessarily for my highest good, but I know it. It's a predictable discomfort. And so I want to stay it, stay in it, mm. right? And so it's, it is, it's confusing. It's confusing for kids. And like now in schools that they taught everything and it's like, it's, it's a lot, it's a lot to receive, but it is just a transitional period. And um, I'm not saying that there is any right or wrong in the way we should be teaching our children, you know, um, possibly, but you know, I do know that it, it feels confusing because there's a lot. And the only reason that there's a lot right now is because it isn't coming from unity consciousness. It's still coming from separation consciousness. Even this fluidity that they're planting in the minds of young people, it's still coming from this, you own this identity, so take it on and become it. Do you know what I mean? Even when the identity is having no identity, it's still a form of consumerism, right? And still, it's still a form of, of taking on this, um, this materialism, I should say. And so it's really interesting to observe that even in the vagueness, um, it's a form of confinement. Mm, and I love how you said that because it's almost an attraction for a lot of Absolutely. Young people is like, oh, I could be non-binary or I don't have to. It, it's, it's become almost like, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, trendy. Exactly. Trendy to actually identify as not having an identity or not yeah. having a gender. And yeah, again, we could go into the elite and the agenda and, and all of that, all the and things, all the things, but and that doesn't dismiss, enough. that doesn't dismiss someone who identifies as a non-binary. Like it's yeah. all allowed. Do you know what I mean? Like there's no, mm -hmm. I would never meet someone and be like, no, that's not that. Like you could tell me that you want to identify as an alien. I'd be like, I'm down. Like whatever mm -hmm. you want, mm -hmm. it's all allowed. But again, it's asking those critical questions as to why, mm. why, why do I want this? Mm -hmm. And it always comes down to that because it's not necessarily the thing itself. It's the intention Absolutely. and the energy behind it, which dictates it. So hundred percent. So <laughs> Gregoria, we could literally speak for hours. I know, we could, I just, like we could be like a 24 hour podcast. Seriously. Yes. Oh my God. Challenge accepted. <laughs> that was so good. But um, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom today and your knowledge. It's gone so quickly and I'm just so excited to hear what the community gets from this episode. So before we close out today, where can people connect with you and find you? 
the easiest way. First of all, thank you for having me. It was my greatest pleasure. And I love that everything we said we would talk about, we like literally didn't touch on. And then like it went down a complete <laughs> different pathway, which it always does. Always. Um, but spirit spoke and, and we trust. So the easiest way to find me is on Instagram at G-L-M-G-E-E, Glam G, but without the A. And that's it. That's that. They have all my links and all my things and all my details. It's where it's the place where I spend the most time on my stories. Um, that's where you can find me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Amazing. So guys, those of you who are listening, if you found that this episode was beneficial, if you feel that you want to share the wisdom, share the magic with friends, with clients, with your wider community, then please share this on your socials and tag myself at Emma Zia and tag G, which is G-L-M-G-E-E on Instagram. And yeah, thank you again so much, G. And it was so good to have you here. And I'm excited for the next conversation. Me too. Love you. All right. Bye-bye.